Chapter number forty three of April Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter forty three looks the heart alone discover if the tongue its thoughts can tell tis in vain you play the lover you have never felt the spell joyce who had been dreading with a silent but terrible fear her first meeting with dysart had found it no such great matter after all when they were at last face to face Dysart had met her as coolly, with apparently as little concern as though no formal passages had ever taken place between them. His manner was perfectly calm, and as devoid of feeling as any one could desire, and it was open to her comprehension that he avoided her whenever he possibly could. She told herself this was all she could, or did, desire yet nevertheless she writhed beneath the certainty of it beauclerk had not arrived until a week later than dysart until indeed the news of the marvellous fortune that had come to her was well authenticated and then had been all that could possibly be expected of him his manner was perfect he sat still and gazed with delightfully friendly eyes into miss maliphant's pleased countenance and anon skipped across room or lawn to whisper beautiful nothings to miss kavanagh the latter's change of fortune did not apparently seem to affect him in the least after all even now she was not as good a parte as miss maliphant where money was concerned but then there were other things whatever his outward manner might lead one to suspect beyond doubt he thought a great deal at this time and finally came to a conclusion joyce's fortune had helped her in many ways it had helped many of the poor around her too but it did even more than that it helped Mr. Beauclerk to make up his mind with regard to his matrimonial prospects. Sitting in his chambers in town with Lady Baltimore's letter before him that told him of the change in Joyce's fortune, of the fortune that had changed her, in fact, from a pretty penniless girl to a pretty rich one, he told himself that, after all, she has certainly been the girl for him since the commencement of their acquaintance. She was charming, not a whit more now than then. He would not believe his own taste so far as to admit that she was more desirable in any way now in her prosperity than when first he saw her and paid her the immense compliment of admiring her he permitted himself to grow a little enthusiastic however to say out loud to himself as it were all that he had hardly allowed himself to think up to this she was beyond question the most charming girl in the world 
such grace such finish a girl worthy of the love of the best of men presumably himself he had always loved her always he had never felt so sure of it that delightful fact now he had had a kind of knowledge even when afraid to give ear to it that she was the wife best suited to him to be found anywhere she understood him they were thoroughly en rapport with each other their marriage would be a success in the deepest sincerest meaning of the word he leant luxuriously among the cushions of his chair lit a fragrant cigarette and ran his mind backward over many things well perhaps so but yet if he had refrained from proposing to her until now now when fate smiles upon her it was simply because he dreaded dragging her into a marriage where she could not have all those little best things of life that so peerless a creature had every right to demand yes it was for her sake alone he had hesitated he feels sure of that now he has thoroughly persuaded himself the purity of the motives that kept him tongue-tied when honour called aloud to him for speech he feels himself so exalted that he metaphorically pats himself upon the back and tells himself he is a righteous being a very brutus where honour is concerned any other man might have hurried that exquisite creature into a squalid marriage for the mere sake of gratifying an overpowering affection but he had been above all that he had considered her the man's duty is ever to protect the woman he had protected her even from herself for that she would have been only too willing to link her sweet fate with his at any price was patent to all the world few people have felt as virtuous as mr beauclerk as he comes to the end of this thread of his imaginings well he will make it up to her he smiles benignly through the smoke that rises round his nose she shall never have reason to remember that he had not fallen on his knees to her as a less considerate man might have done when he was without the means to make her life as bright as it should be the most eager of lovers must live and eating is the first move towards that conclusion yet if he had given way to selfish desires they would scarcely he and she have had sufficient bread of any delectable kind to fill their mouths but now all would be different she clever girl had supplied the blank she had squared the difficulty having provided the wherewithal to keep body and soul together in a nice respectable fashionable modern sort of way her constancy shall certainly be rewarded he will go straight down to the court and declare her to the sentiments that have been warming his breast silently all these past months what a dear girl she is and so fond of him 
that in itself is an extra charm in her very delightful character and those fortunate thousands quite a quarter of a million isn't it well of course no use saying they won't come in handy no use being hypocritical over it horrid thing a hypocrite well those thousands naturally have their charm too he rose flung his cigarette aside it was finished as far as careful enjoyment would permit and rang for his servant to pack his portmanteau he was going to the court by the morning train now that he is here however he restrains the ardour that no doubt is consuming him with altogether admirable patience and waits for the chance that may permit him to lay his valuable affections at joyce's feet a dinner to be followed by an impromptu dance at the court suggests itself as a very fitting opportunity he grasps it yes to-morrow evening will be an excellent and artistic opening for a thing of this sort all through luncheon even while conversing with joyce and miss maliphant on various outside topics his versatile mind is arranging a picturesque spot in the garden enclosures wherein to make joyce a happy woman lady swansdown glancing across the table at him laughs lightly always disliking him she has still been able to read him very clearly and his determination to now propose to joyce amuses her nearly as much as it annoys her frivolous to the last degree as she is an honest regard for joyce has taken hold within her breast lord baltimore too is disturbed by his brother's present End of chapter 43 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.